Doing great, guys. It annoys me how much I love us when we're being. <laughs> I'm like, I should not be that into this. I know, right? We shouldn't be encouraging so each other. We should. Honestly, we should. But it's the greatest thing. Yeah, yeah. Great. Name me a trio who could do this. Welcome to the Poet Salon, a podcast where we talk to poets over a drink we've prepared especially for them. I'm Duji Tahat. I am Luther Savory, not Sponge Cake Hughes. And I'm Gabrielle Bates. Last week, we had a beautiful, wide-ranging conversation with Ahmad Jamal Johnson about smoke, speakers, and silences. For this episode, if you can listen closely, you can hear our faces melt off and hit the floor as he reads the poem, The Poet Goes About Her Business by Linda Gregg. I'm reading The Poet Goes About Her Business by Linda Gregg. Michelle has become another dead little girl, an easy poem, instant praxtillion, instant 75-year-old photograph of my grandmother when she was the young woman with shadows I imagine were blue around her eyes. The beauty of it, such guarded sweetness. What a greed of bruised gardenias. Oh Christ, whose name rips silk. I have seen raw cypresses so dark the mind comes to them without color. Dark on the Greek hillside, dark, volcanic, dry and stone. Where the oldest women of the world are standing dressed in black up in the branches of fig trees in the gorge, knocking with as much quickness as their weakness will allow. Weakness which my heart must not confuse with tenderness. And on the other side of the island, a woman walks up the path with a burden of leaves on her head, guiding the goats with sounds she makes up and then makes up again. The other darkness is easy. The men in the dreams who come in together to me with knives. There are so many traps and many look courageous. The body goes into such raptures of obedience, mm. but the huge stones on the desert resemble nobody's mother. I remember the snake after its skin had been cut away and it was dropped, it started to move across the clearing, making its beautiful waving motion. It was all meat and bone. Hmm. Pretty soon, it was covered with dust. It seemed to know exactly where it wanted to go, toward any dark trees. Gabby is screaming. Yeah. It's one of those poems, like, if you don't 
like like throw your book and then just like lay down and then stand up and like look to see if like somebody is also there that you can like talk to and then realize that you're like by yourself <laughs> and then you just kind of stare out the window and you want to kind of like wave somebody like over from the sidewalk and it's like I know you may not like read poetry but I just want to read this poem to you <laughs> like it's that one uh, yeah yeah you had no way of knowing this when you brought this poem in but like this uh, is one of my poems like the uh, epigraph of my manuscript is from this book uh, I lose my mind every single sentence blows my mind yeah that like what a greed of bruised gardenias that's the first one actually honestly, don't, that I don't know really anything better than that I don't know anything better than that actual phrase what's better than that except for maybe Weakness, which my heart must not confuse with tenderness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And this is like, I'd, I'd mentioned this uh, just recently to like DG, like tenderness is one of those things in terms of um, like the conversations that we have around poetics. Like there's no way to really like articulate like what that is, but it is kind of at the core of like what we're really trying to construct in our work, right? Like. Um, like, is it honesty? Is it vulnerability? You know, it's like, like if the meat is like tender, right? Like it's chewable, it's a thing that you can break down, it's a thing that you consume, right? Like it's soft, but there's still like body to it, mm. right? Like it still has like a kind of corporeal truth. Um, so to think about that in the context of, uh, you know, this elegy, like this moment, like the kind of darkness and fear that, uh, you know, Linda Gregg is taking on. Um, I mean, it is one of those poems. Yeah, and and I mean, thinking about what you're saying about tenderness too, it's like, it's a quality that almost necessitates like um, uh, calibration. Pain? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that too. Thanks, guy. <laughs> See where you're at. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you have to sort of calibrate it against, like, other things, right? Like, to sort of get at what we really mean by it. Like, I mean, for Greg, it's weakness, right? Like, it's not to be confused with weakness. Um, mm -hmm. It has, like, these other qualities that, like, tenderness can easily be confused for. And I see sort of like these sort of juxtaposition of qualities. Uh, I think for me, like, I, I read a Linda Gregg poem and, like, the syntax is always the thing that always also seems to be doing something similar. Like it's these like fragments that like up against each other are all trying to sort of like calibrate like a particular thing, which like it's remarkable sort of how different it would be were they not like, were they like clauses in a larger sentence, you know? Like it feels like a really important, like as it relates to tenderness, like the sort of constellation, like this like accumulative effect as a way to get at the thing as opposed to like saying it sort of more directly maybe. Yeah, and I always read um, Linda Gregg next to uh, Lucy Brock Boido and um, Bridget Begin Kelly. And I think like, like what was going on with white women in the eighties? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I mean like there's a clear kind of like, like vulnerability and like like that kind of like ethereal like hair poet you know type thing um you know where like all of these poems like seem to circle around this thing that like they never completely like articulate you know and it's um you know like 
that vulnerability um, and kind of negotiating like power, right? Like desire and fear being so fused together. Yeah. And maybe that's what I mean too. It's like, it never quite articulates the thing that it's sort of circling around, right? Like that's the real, like that feels like the magic of it. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we only have basic information about Michelle, right? We have a name, like she's almost, she's used as a prop in the poem, which is its own violence, right? Like, like another dead girl, um, you know, easy poem, right? Uh, like uh, instant Praxtilian, right? Uh, and you think about, um, was Praxteles as a um, Greek, the first Greek sculptor to um, like construct the female nude body, right? So this is like the beginning of um, the objectification of like a woman's body, right? At this moment. Um, so Linda Gregg is just like kind of casually like kind of throwing that in. It's like, you know, Michelle is an object. Here's like the history of like objects. And now let's like use her to construct a poem just that first line, just think about like first lines, you know, like it's, it's a structural violence, you know, um, that she's, you know, creating a mirror for like a kind of parody. Uh, and then there's just the, the idea of the image system, right? Like, like color and colorlessness, uh, like the way like the darkness is blue, the way the darkness is like the bruise, the way the darkness is held in the trees, um, you know, the, uh, the body of the snake and that dust, you know, covering, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's hitting us at so many different uh, intellectual and emotional registers. Uh, it's, it's like why you can't like let it go because you're trying to, um, you're trying to test the system of the poem for weaknesses, you know? So you're coming at it from like every angle and every time you read it, it's instructing you like in a completely different way. Um, so it just, it, it, in the imagination, it won't stop. I'm a little stressed. Um, so the poem <laughs> is so much of like an arts poetica, like telling you how to write a poem, right? Which I am really, really struck by that magic, right? Even saying like, you know, the first line being, that's an easy poem. Poem about a dead girl, easy. It's sweet, you know, it's this thing, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell something else the greed of stuff, okay, that's cute, the dark stuff, and all this like attention to weakness and quickness and darkness and trying to get at, you know, this new thing. And then going, the other darkness is easy too. Man with knives, that's an easy poem, girl, let's move on past that. And then to keep going, right? But the idea of there are so many traps and many look courageous. Again, like, it's easy to fall into that darkness. It's right. easy to, to write that poem, right? It's easy to do that. But you know what? I remember the snake though. And this snake is going to take me there. Where it's going to take me? Toward any dark trees. And this is like, wait, 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 wait. You taught me how to read this poem and how to write poetry. But what are you trying to tell me, though? What are you, like, trying to really get at? And it goes back to the idea of, like, what a greed of Bruce Gardini is. Like, the idea of bruising beauty in a way that poets can do and often do. Like, if you're going to write a poem, bruise the, bruise the beauty in it, all right? Bruise something that's going to be seen as beautiful, as tender take that, crumple it up, spit on it, stuff it on the ground. Like if you're gonna talk about poetry in this thing, like mm -hmm. fuck the beauty, mm -hmm. fuck all that, tear it up, do something different. And that to me is just so, and then to call the poem, the poet goes about her business. First of all, Linda Gregg, <laughs> yeah. let's, let, let's double, back. double back, yeah. let's double back. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
about her business. Like this is her business. This is the business of a poet, of poetry, mm-hmm. like to study the thing, to flip it over, to re to reinterrogate it, and it's and then to end up by some dark trees. Like yeah. that's our business, right? Yeah. And that is just so <laughs> disrespectful to me. Like, how dare you tell me what I'm supposed to do with poetry? But I'm so sold. Like you're right. I should be doing this exact thing. I should be remembering the snake and my mother. And this girl and all these things that mm. I'm defining as tender, but honestly, I'm presenting it as not tender. I'm presenting it as this is violence. Yeah. And that is <sighs> Yeah, and that's the thing, like like what it means to be like both like victim and villain, right? That like in the end, like how we think about like the snake, you know, um, like seeking darkness, right? But the snake has been stripped of his skin, right? So, like, what is like, what is the poem? Like, the poem is detritus, right? Like, the poem is like the ex, the exfoliated, like, um, you know, like fear, right? Like, it's the thing that's like just like lurking, like in the corner, like you know, what is like dust, right? Like, what is that darkness? Like dead skin cells, right? Like here, you know, like the debrided, the debrided body, right? Which is also a, its own kind of violence. Like, we never completely understand what's happened to the girl, you know? Um, so certain things like, you know, like, oh Christ, whose name rips silk, right? So like, oh Christ is doing two things at once, right? Like it's it's prayer-like, you know, like, like God, I need you to like, like step in because this is like too much to bear. But then it's also like, oh Christ, like fuck, <laughs> you know, like there isn't like a language of vocabulary, you know, to like engage this. So then whose name rips silk right Mm -hmm. like the beautiful thing you know is torn apart so then when we have like the snake skin you know kind of at the at the you know at that like final moment you get like fabric um you know like a thing is like both like kind of ornate and it's like soiled Mm -hmm. um you know like the grandmother and like the uh the shadows like under her eyes like you know she imagines this blue yeah, there's so many different ways to internalize the um, like the music, and you don't know what to do with that. You know, yeah. like, are we being indicted? You know, uh, <laughs> as poets, um, is she calling herself out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just so much like so much bait. Yeah, and it feels important that like, like you're left with you know, I mean, a way I read it, like you're left with like a, a, s- a snake skin in hand but the snake itself is still like headed towards the darkness, right? Like, yeah. like we can put in all of this work and like we can be both the victim and the villain and like the snake still like heads towards the darkness, right? Like, and, and I think there's like some confusion around like, is the poem the like snake skin I'm holding or is it like the skinless snake, you know, that is covered in dust that is like flailing itself towards darkness? Yeah. Mm. I've spent so much time with this poem and it just it fully activates for me every time which I can't say that about many poems there are poems I read one time and they sort of blow me away and then I return and I'm like oh okay like I kind of got the majority of this poem's gifts on that first round and and this one Mm -hmm. just shows me new things every time and this reading I'm really attending to the repetition of the word easy Mm -hmm. and we've touched on this already, but just how this poem is about so many things, but it's also a poem about artistic rigor, which for Greg seems to also be 
emotional and corporeal rigor. So like these things can't be separated in this poem. The, the easy poem that she is refusing. And I do think it's, it's her modeling for us rigor and, and refusal as opposed to telling us what to do. But I think we can't help but feel attacked by it because to see someone modeling that sort of vulnerability, which is not weakness, but it often looks like weakness, particularly in light of, you know, what's traditionally thought of as feminine and just like really going there and, and showing us what it looks like to go there and to refuse what's easy and to make the body tender and not permeable, but with give. Oh, it's just astounding. And and I love, Duji, that last question you asked on whether the poem is the snake that gets away without the skin or is it the skin you're left holding? And I think mm-hmm. it's really both. It's like this Aristotle or Plato version of the poem, capital P poem, that always escapes us, which is why mm-hmm. I think we keep writing poems because we keep trying to chase this version of this poem we can never articulate in language. And we have the snake skins that just sort of like gather around us that give us something to touch, um, even if they're never going to be fully satisfying. And even those lines, um, like guiding the goats with sound she makes up and then makes up again, right? Like it's the Ars Poetica thing, right? Like ultimately like the poem, like the, the poem represents those sounds, right? So here, here are the sounds. And as like readers, like, are we the goats? Like, is she... You know, is she kind of like kind of shooing us along, right? Like, are we being guided and manipulated, right? So that's the thing, like coming back to this. And I hadn't thought about that until I read it this time. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, are those, are those sounds, right? right? Are we being like, yeah. you know, just like a little like stick, you know, kind of like, um, you know, herding the goats along, right? Um, so again, just like the nature of like motion and music where we position ourselves as readers, uh, you know, how we see ourselves as poets, like it's a complete experience, right? Yeah. Surround, surround sound with like images. Yeah. And I'm thinking too of like the sort of first lines as setting up a pattern and then like where it sort of breaks from that thinking like of like sentences specifically, like how um, I would think, you know, in a mod way you're saying like that first line does, the first two lines does so much in terms of like setting up the object, you know, and like the history of the object. And then you look at like the longest sentence in the middle as like, are like women doing work, you know, in like hidden ways. And that like, it just like the length of the sentences themselves like breaks up the pattern of these like short fragments ahead of time. And then again, like, it's just interesting to think about that with like mm. what the skin is, <laughs> like what is it and the, and the sound that, that, that sort of comes out of that. Well, you know, those, um, those multiple seizures are like gunshots, right? You know, so like you have like, just these like hard breaks like throughout and you think like, well, this, this makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I just want to be able to move through it but no, it's just, um, you know, when you get fragment, uh, you know, when, you know, there's like a fairly aggressive, like imagistic, you know, shift, um, you know, like when there's a comma and when there's not, you know, when that period then just creates a hefty pause, right? Like a moment to really like stop, even when you don't want to stop and you're just trying to, 
you're try trying to escape the poem, right? And then that's the snake also trying to escape, um, you know, from darkness into darkness. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking at this uh, second to last line. Um, it seemed to know exactly where it wanted to go. And it seems to me such a vulnerable line. Because for me, I think it's more so about the speaker right there. Like I, the, the snake knows where it wants to go, but I don't know where I want to go. I don't know where I'm supposed to be ending up. And for me, that is, again, so, so vulnerable given a poem that seems to be more so hurting the readers along. We get to a part where it's like, wait, I've been hurting mm -hmm. all these people along to get to a place, but I don't know where I'm going. Therefore, I don't know where I'm taking them. And that to me is so like, oh, okay, so we all don't know what the fuck is happening then. So we're, it's not just me, the reader, it's also you, the speaker, and therefore you, the writer. And so that for me is like breaking like multiple walls, like that's the fourth wall, but the fifth wall and the sixth wall and the seventh wall, like multiple walls are being are coming down because the, the writer, speaker, person is like, where are we, where am I taking y'all? Like what, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the poem begins as an elegy for this girl, Michelle, and I think it ends as an elegy for the elegy. It's like, mm, I'm uh, elegizing now my inability to <laughs> to write a, the elegy that, that felt like it needed to be written. Yeah, well, that difference between, um, like, it knows where it wants to go and it seemed to know where it wants to go. Like that seem blows the whole thing up, right? Like it's, it's actually like kind of like throwing shade on like, you know, uh, cognition and like knowledge, right? Like it. It's not just, <laughs> not just like the elegy of the elegy, but I think it's also like the elegy of the impulse to elegize, right? Which is like mm -hmm. a layer there of like self indictment, right? It's, yeah, and it's like, yeah that an easy poem right it's like mm. of course like i could like see a death and like my as a as a poet like it's my impulse yeah. to then elegize it but then it's also like interrogating you know like what is that impulse actually doing <laughs> right yeah. and imagery too particularly and and maybe i mm. tend to this because i mean that's probably more than any other craft element what i think about the most and use the most but i see her really mm wrestling with the limits of what an image can do in this poem, you know, beginning with the reference to the sculptor and sculpture of a girl's body. And, and then this snake that comes in and it seems to know where it wants to go, but you have to do something with an image. Like you, you can't just like leave the image there perhaps and just like expect it to do all of the work for you. Um, and so I also see it as wrestling with, with that. Yeah. And, you know, the snake, um, you know, it's the serpent in the garden, right? But, like, this is, like, a space um, that is not lush, right? Um, you know, that, like, there's a kind of lifelessness, a kind of barrenness, like, in this space. You know, so saying, I remember the snake, right? Like, here's this moment, like, thinking about contemplating, like, evil or the idea of, like, sin, um, you know, there's also like the the erotics that are kind of floating, like, you know, like whether we think of the snake as phallic in some way, which also like contemplate, you know, complicates the nature of violence, like whatever happened to Michelle, you know, that's never fully like present, you know, uh, you know, in the poem as well. So like, again, like it never addresses the thing directly, but like how it's constantly, you know, manipulating these kind of echoes, you know, around fear. Um, so I find that really interesting too, right? Like the things that you're thinking about, you say, oh, well, it must not be that. And then like we come back to it and say, well, maybe it is that. 
And then that guesswork is part of what pulls us back into the poem. I keep returning to like the other, like the last half of the oh Christ sentence. I've seen raw cypress so dark, the mind comes to them without color. Like, which is also, I feel like related to image, right? Like, and how, how like how we approach rendering image and like the failure inherent in like re-rendering image. And without that image, like the raw cypresses, we wouldn't have the same appreciation for the snake uh, with the skin removed, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that, you know, and that, so that rawness, you know, sets up like a kind of barrenness, a kind of violence. So then like the way we understand the snake without its skin and all of this is like also shaping, you know, um, however we think of Michelle, like what, there, there are no details around, you know, like her death, right? So, so every image we're like attaching to like the body of this dead girl. So then that's also like a strange kind of like fantasy or like a question, you know, that like indicts us as readers that we're trying to, we're trying to figure out how to appropriately um, like mourn, mm -hmm. you know, uh, someone that we don't know. Um, but then there's also, you know, like if you, um, if there's a car accident, like uh, on like the freeway or something, you know, and, you know, everybody slows down because they look, you know, the rubbernecking. And we look partly because, you know, we want to make sure that like, no one's hurt but then there's like a part of us that like wants to see if someone's hurt you know and it's the strange tension around like wanting to know exactly what happened you know to this girl right like the kind of grotesque like macabre thing you know in the subconscious versus like the desire to look away you know mm -hmm. to be kind of like shielded you know from that violence so i feel like that like all the things that are happening like in the darkness um, it's like the darkness of the mind, right? Like, and then the darkness, you know, kind of of the world. So it's just, it's just, it's just too much. It's just too much poem. It's too much. Of all the lines in this poem that make me feel attacked personally, hmm. probably the main one is there are so many traps and many look courageous. Hmm. There's something about that that just makes me feel so called out, but it also empowers me it gives me this sort of litmus test when going to the page and like asking myself, am I pushing into this particular terrain because it is truly courageous or because it has the sort of veneer of courage? Is this actually a kind of trap? Is this like true necessary vulnerability that I'm pushing into or is this a sort of performance of it that I feel will get me something for some other reason. I, I just, I really love that sort of, I don't know, just like, is it really courage what you're doing? Take a moment to think about it. Cause there are many traps yeah. that look courageous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I keep returning and I don't know, this may be an open-ended question if you might, y'all might not know the answer to, but I'm like curious more and more about like, the origin of the elegy as like a form and like the sort of like social 
parameters that like that sort of arose out of um like thinking of like other sort of i don't know i think of like marriage as an institution and like the social setup in which that arrived and how like just socially everything has sort of changed so dramatically over time and like we haven't really necessarily updated it and i think about this in particular because like luther asked me a really good question about an elegy i had in my manuscript and i was like is this really an elegy and i was like i don't know is it really an elegy and i think um and there's a way like it's 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 like that same thing right it looks courageous i think like even just by tagging it as elegy like felt like a courageous thing but like and, and maybe part of it is like the context of like how we attend to death um has changed right like the, the, how much we are surrounded by death certainly just as like a uh as a idea and like the, a, a literal you know images and and in the ways that has been sanitized from our day-to-day -day life and the ways that has been like made more violently apparent in our day-to-day -day life has obviously like changed our relationship to death so i guess I'm, i i guess i'm curious like i don't know if anybody has any thoughts around that yeah i mean obviously like you would think of um victoria chang's uh obit um, but then, like, often I go back to uh, Ross Gay's uh, catalog of unabashed gratitude. Like, he is essentially, um, you know, consuming the bodies of his loved ones, you know, um, you know, that they like, that they live in him, right? Like, um, you know, understanding the, the delights of the garden, right? Like, and, you know, the way we think about, you know, like, Ross as, like, gentleman farmer, um, you know, in, uh, you know, in Indiana, uh, you know, like just a kind of, you know, the lushness, you know, of his poetry and just like of his being, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you know him. And rather than thinking about like loss, um, you know, it's just like a, the truth of like physics, right? Uh, you know, nothing, you know, disappears, like, you know, all things mm -hmm. simply transform. Um, so if you're a gardener, you understand that you know, like, like death isn't like an end, you know, um, so it's always like consuming and, you know, preparing for some kind of, you know, transformation, right? Like the way we understand seasons. So I don't know if, if how we think about like elegy in terms of, you know, the way we process grief or, uh, you know, the way we're, you know, preparing for like a different stage of life. So yes, yeah, it's a good question. Apologies kind of two ways I think of intent and attention um and what is your is the poem meant to be intentional about attending to one's death and I think of poems like well poets like Sharon Olds um Trethaway who whose intent is to attend to this death whether it's celebration mm -hmm. or whether it's grief um and usually in their poems it's both <laughs> right and so and then I think about how crows elegize their dead and have funerals for their dead and how they collectively have funerals for their dead family member, right? And so, and then they call and do all this ruckus, right? And so their, uh. their intent is to attend to this death. And so I'm thinking always about, okay, when I see an elegy, quote unquote, how is this poem doing the intentional work um, of either celebration and or grief in this moment? Mm. So that's how, and I don't know how that ties back to any um, tradition or history, but that's how I think elegies at their best perform. perform. <laughs> yeah, I think the traditions of the elegy and the ode are very, very similar. I think, I mean, I think about the elegy as an ode for something or someone that is now absent, that is now mm -hmm. lost. 
and I'm not super well versed in like the history of the the form of the elegy, so I can't speak to how maybe it's changed over time. But um, I've always thought of those two traditions as essentially being the same impulse. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy about this the- poem? <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I think I think Amal, you're talking a little bit about um, the the violence of the poem and how essentially the violence of Michelle is left out and mm-hmm. how we're just kind of left in the dark about this little girl's experience um, and how she ended up dying. And I was thinking a lot, or I have been thinking a lot about um, enacting violence without having said violence in the poem. Mm-hmm. And so for me, this poem, well, it completely dismisses or leaves us in the dark about Michelle's, you know, death, that for me is also as violent as saying the death, because then we're forced to imagine the death, right? We're forced to imagine what happened to her and the violence that might've happened to her. Because she was so young, we have to assume she was killed, murdered, raped. Something has to be, like, I feel like, okay, how she died was violent. Whether it was, again, a murder, whether it was cancer, something happened that was violent against her body. And so for me, that's as violent as saying the violent thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's interesting because we end up, you know, with the, with the line, you know, moving towards dark trees and we're just left in the dark. Like, there's no way for us to even consider, you know, what happened to her. We're just imagining this thing, right? And it's, it's violent to tell the reader, imagine violence. I don't care. You do, you do the work you're supposed to do. I'm not going to do it. And that for me is a, it's violent, but I, I love it. Like, I, I love the I love the intent to not tell us the violence, to make us imagine violence. Is love the right yeah. word? I appreciate. <laughs> understand? I understand what she's, what she's trying to do. Yeah. Well, the, the greatest act of violence is uh, abstraction, right? So um, as soon as you can make, like, an individual a thing, then you can crush that thing or break that thing right like that thing doesn't have spirit right like it's you know it's a chair right like it's a stick right like it can be manipulated you know it becomes you know an object you know and then it is owned right so um you could like um like Sadia Hartman or um you know Frank Wilderson um this idea of uh, you know particularly you know thinking about uh, you know blackness you know, it's possible to, you know, enact, you know, violence when you strip humanity from an individual. So, you know, the bait is, you know, the um, the proper noun, right? Like Michelle, and then like, you know, the moving away from any, you know, interiority, you know, any personhood. Um, so, you know, all of the violence is present in that first line, right? Like um, she's, you know, she's lost like all kind of like personhood and sense of self. So the, you know, the abstraction, you know, an easy poem, um, that that's the gunshot, like that's the death. Um, so then everything after that, you know, is uh, grieving, right? So, you know, that's the, you know, the hardest thing about that is consuming, you know, that moment, you know, that like we're never allowed, you know, to see her as an individual. Um, so in that sense, like we are mourning, you know, um, but then we're also um, kind of like lingering in the perspective of the murderer, you know, and I don't know if, you know, in this sense, like the act of, um, you know, if we talk about like, you know, persona, or if we talk about, um, you know, if we write 
like outside of AI, you know, and we're taking on like other subjects, you know, outside of like our personal experience, you know, is that about building community and developing empathy or is that like another form, you know, of violence? Um, and I think like Linda Gregg is dancing with that question or at least putting us in a position to ask it of ourselves as poets. Um, that she's kind of writing this poem to poets, which is probably why we also like circle back to it. I'm still coming back to the title. <laughs> like this just like understated, mundane, the poet goes about her business. And then with this poem, just the, the contrast and the meaning those two make together is just sending me somewhere every time mm. yeah that's just matter of fact mm -hmm. yeah. yeah this is the work yep. here it is ongoing every day yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there are great poems out there like obviously but <laughs> we only we only just need like a couple like to sustain ourselves <laughs> so you know this is one of them like whenever i forget what a poem is um, you know, I come back to this and it's like, like, oh yeah, I need to go back to work. Biggest gratitude to Ahmad for giving us the gift of your gentle, genius presence. All those however many months ago this conversation took place. Years? Years Lifetimes? in 1942. Um, and for bringing in one of my favorite poems of all time. Truly, I am obsessed with this poem. Um, and by one of my all-time favorite poets as well. So just thank you all the way around. Big gratitude to all of you who have been listening regularly since the beginning. And hello to all of you for whom this is randomly your first episode you're ever listening to. Lesser gratitude to you. But still big. A mere, a mere gratitude. But a mere, still big. A mere. <laughs> a mere big gratitude. I don't. I don't know why you chose this one as your first one, but you did. And like, I'm glad you're here. Better late than never. You picked a good one. You did actually. Honestly, yeah, you did well. If this is your first episode, and also if it's your first episode, you probably haven't rated us five stars yet, or written us a really cute review about how cute we are. So you please do that. It is a requirement. Actually. It's actually required. Um, every, every you would get fined if you. Yeah, don't. this podcast comes at your ears for free and so honestly it's the least you can do and also follow us on twitter at poet salon pod and send us some questions to answer our email address is thepoetsalonpod at gmail.com what do we want what do we want no more bird facts rude send us a picture of your face mole send us a poem about the animal moles and send along an Alamo. Thank you very much. <laughs> Peace out. Mic drop. This gonna show you these hands, gonna take on these streets, gonna show you who's man's, cause my crew, mob steady. Feddy and spaghetti, feddy and spaghetti, feddy and the, feddy and spaghetti, feddy.